Welcome, First Friends Church family. October is Missions Month, and we are talking about multiplication through planting disciples. We are excited to be partnering with and supporting the work of Stark County Young Life, as well as a new Friends Church plant in Cleveland, with the aim to reach the Indian population of that city. We are so glad to have you tuning in because here at First Friends Church, we live to glorify God together by loving Him, making disciples, and proclaiming the gospel. Now for this week's message. Good morning, church. Hey, we have Young Life in the house with us this morning. And uh, delighted to have Dan Bender with us. Dan has been an area director for over 10 years and the area, Stark County area director here at Young Life in uh, Stark County for three years. And it's a delight to introduce him to you all this morning. And uh, some of you have probably have heard of this thing called Young Life. And uh, what, is, what is Young Life? What is this ministry that is going on in the area? And Dan, what is Young Life? <laughs> well, before we start, it would be better to show you a video uh, than me tell you. So we have a little video to show you what Young Life is. All right, let's go ahead and roll that video now. There's this common conversation that happens between kids and their parents. The teenager finishes dinner at home and is already halfway out the door when he turns around and shouts, Mom, I'm going to my Young Life leader's house after the game. Not so fast, mister. Explaining Young Life isn't easy. The only thing harder than explaining Young Life is explaining Young Life to worried parents. How worried? Kitchen table conversation worried. The hardest part to explain for the kid isn't the Young Life events or the Young Life camps. It's the relationship with these guys. Who are these people? And why do they spend all their time with high schoolers and middle schoolers? What's a Young Life leader? That's a good question. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's Monday. The leader is supposed to get up at 5.45 a.m. They end up getting up at 5.54, so no time to shower. They need to be at a school that they didn't graduate from in 20 minutes to pass out donuts. Luckily, they can drive to this school in their sleep because they've spent every Monday for months doing the same exact thing, which is why they threw away the donut holes and started using the whole thing, no pun intended. Even though no one wanted donuts and they burned through half a tank of gas, they consider the morning a success. Another quarter tank of gas later, and they are home just on time for their 8 a.m. psychology lecture. Yeah, psychology lecture. College isn't going to finish itself. Classes drag, but once they're finished, it's back up to the school that they didn't graduate from. It's campaigners tonight, which is pretty much just a Bible study for people that wouldn't usually come to one. Moms are happy everywhere that their child's NIV is no longer collecting dust. Uh, Campaigners is a time where we get to read scripture and study God's word with students. It's a chance for our friends to go deeper into their faith. Tuesday. Sun rises. Tuesday is an almost identical day to Monday, minus the donuts and plus a basketball game. They see that student again. They laugh at one of your jokes. Let's go! (laughs) Wednesday, club day. (laughs) Young Life's party with a purpose. The leader has been rehearsing their lines for weeks for a silly skit that may or may not be funny. Club isn't just some loud event that starts at 8.08. It's a loud event that breaks down walls. It just happens to be at a goofy time. Some music bumping, everyone's screaming, and you're like, this this is crazy. Club is fun, exciting. It's a great place to just um, get away from the things that are hard in life. It's for kids who might never step foot in a church to actually get to hear about Jesus. The leader has now spent a total of five hours and a tank and a half of gas of going to and from the school that they lead at. Amando Jesus y amando niños. It's a quiet Sunday afternoon, the perfect time to catch up on schoolwork. 
Then the phone rings. It's from an unknown number, which usually means don't pick up, but for some reason, they do. It's that student. They ask to get lunch. Suddenly, homework isn't important. I'm on my way. The donuts, the basketball games, they're good things. In fact, they're great, but they're meaningless if they don't lead to something bigger. This is the heartbeat of young life, and it always has been. The something doesn't have to be sensational. It doesn't have to be spectacle. It doesn't have to be club, campaigners, or even Young Life camp. The walls are already down, the teenager is already won, and the stage is already set for something. It's this. To introduce teenagers to Jesus Christ and help them grow in their faith. It looks like this. It's not just because they care, but it's because they've been transformed by God's love and feel compelled to share that in the best way they know how. <laughs> What's a Young Life leader? They're people, just like you and I. But what does a Young Life leader do? They care, and it looks a lot like showing up one day at a time. Uh, as you, if you could not tell, some of those people are over there. They probably saw the video for the first time. But um, yeah, Young Life is uh, locally here in Stark County, but it's also uh, all over the United States in every state. And then uh, it's funny that you guys had uh, Representative India here last week because uh, Young Life is also in over 100 countries in the world. And India is one of the places that it's actually making a big push for Young Life. So um, but it's a, local, it's a local mission to reach teenagers who wouldn't normally step foot in a church. Years ago, I had the pleasure of being a Young Life leader, and uh, I got to witness the impact uh, in this thing called club in, in the basement of somebody's house, which was an amazing experience. And just there is non-Christian kids that were all over this place, you know, having a great time of fellowship and being introduced to the person of Jesus. Uh, and that is, it is happening here on a weekly basis. Could you help us appreciate a little bit of the local impact and the reach that you have here in Stark County? Yeah, we're in five, we have five ministries locally. Um, we're in McKinley High School, uh, Glen Oak High School, Jackson, and Hoover High School. And then we also have a ministry called Capernaum, which is for students with uh, special needs. Um, we have somewhere around, I think it's 22 leaders. We have 22 Young Life volunteer leaders and uh, a dozen other adults who support our committee and are part of this and volunteer their time also. And I hope you hear this. This is, this is, uh, this is a legacy that we have here in Stark County with Young Life. Over 50 years of ministry of these different leaders uh, and uh, volunteers, they have been impacting non-Christian students, introducing them uh, to Jesus. And, and so they've had this mission to multiply by planting disciples that make disciples for well over 50 years. 50 years strategically here, but you're not done. There, there's more vision. And Dan has shared with me and our missions team about some of the things that are coming up here for, for Young Life, and I'd love for you to share them because later next week is when we start our uh, missions offering to support uh, not only Arun Massey's Cleveland church plant, but also Young Life. So share with us this new vision that you have with, uh, with Young Life. Yeah, I mean, our vision is always to reach 
uh, as many teenagers as we can to be in every high school in Stark County. There's uh, a lot of high schools and middle schools within Stark County. Um, you know, we would love to be in places like Lake and Green and Perry and other school districts around. Um, but specifically, we're really excited right now about relaunching stuff at Canton McKinley High School um, and then also our Capernaum ministry. Uh, we're really excited about the things that have happened in Capernaum um, recently. So Capernaum ministry is a very special ministry that uh, it is actually a young life ministry, but hasn't been here in Stark County very long. And this is something that is just an amazing uh, ministry that they have here and host here. And it is one of the strategic areas that we're going to invest in next week with our special offering. And for you to help understand what this ministry is, what they do, we have another video that we'd like to show you. So let's go ahead and roll that Capernaum video right now. get this party started? Yeah. <laughs> right. This is my buddy Tyler Russo and uh, hey, hey. <laughs> Tyler has been coming to Young Life Capernaum with us for about a year now and uh, one of my favorite things about Tyler is he just loves the microphone, he loves to grab it and sing and dance and, and anywhere Tyler is he makes you feel really special. Yeah. <laughs> Young Life is not committed to just typical high school kids, but we're committed to all kids. So Ryan was born in 2001. We did not know that he would be born with Down syndrome. So obviously it was a shock to us. You know, nobody comes into this thinking, hey, I'm gonna have a child with disabilities. And it took some time, but eventually we got it. I think that we started to understand that he is a gift, he's a blessing. Um, he has enriched our lives so much. So I'm Amy Troyer. This is Ryan. And I'm Mark. So Capernaum means a ton to us, and it has been absolutely amazing to see these varied ability individuals come and have a place to hang out and make friends. They come in and they hear their name shouted, welcome. Usually there's a dance party, so they're running around and throwing beach balls back and forth. They sit down and they hear a story long enough to keep their attention, and entertaining enough that they get it and they can talk about it later. Um, and then they go to worship time where they're, they're singing and doing movements, and then it's back to a dance party before their parents come. Um, all of it in short increments, which is what they need. So camp is this incredible event um, for our kids to go down to a camp that is generally done for typicals and for one week they change it to special needs. They're going to do everything that the typical kids do. We're talking zip lining and swimming and all kinds of stuff and they get to participate. So we sent Ryan this year knowing that he was safe and they were loving him and taking care of him. Um, they would send pictures and Ryan had a smile from ear to ear and was just having a ball. I know when he came home from camp, I mean, he was beaming, like just, and it was that way for a couple days. If you've never been to a Capernaum, you need to go check it out because it changes your life and it's gonna change their lives. We give these kids an opportunity to have community. That's not offered in a lot of places, especially for kids with special needs. A lot of times their families bear the burden of 
their social life and everything. And uh, I think to have leaders who will go and, and be their friends is just life-changing. So what makes Young Life really fun for you then? Like why do you like to come? Does it help with that? Yeah, it makes my heart feel happy. So Dan, we're going to be giving to this. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'm uh, so grateful for this ministry, Dan, and so thank you for saying yes to helping chart and lead the way here to have this. But, you know, there's an area of need for Capernaum. Share a little bit with that need and how we can help. Yeah, Capernaum. I, I, I lead Young Life at Hoover High School, and I have a lot of fun with uh, high school, the typical high school kids we do stuff. But when I get to go to Capernaum, uh, we had it yesterday, and it, it's the most fun thing you can ever be a part of, and it changes your life. Um, like I said in the video, it's just, it's, it's a place for uh, those students to belong. Um, a, lo- a lot of times there's a lot of respite programs for kids with special needs, you know, a night out for their parents, that kind of stuff, and it's great. Um, we want to take that a step further and, and give them relationship and friendship. And our leaders, you know, spend time with them. They take them out to eat. They go to their house and hang out. Um, so it's a regular thing. And one of my favorite things in the last year we've had is uh, Jacob, who I think will be here next service. Um, he uh, was a Capernaum student that had been a part of it for the last two or three years. And then and, uh, he has expressed that he wanted to be a leader. And so last year we took him through leader training and he was serious. He was so excited. Um, he, he reads the books we all read and all of that. And, and, and we placed him as a Young Life leader this year in, in August. And it's just been really fun to see him. And he has hopes of being on Young Life staff someday. And so we hope to make that happen. But our, our needs really are for, I mean, individual, like we need we need volunteers. We need people that would want to lead this ministry and spend time investing in their lives. Um, but we also need uh, financial needs, whether it's programming to make Capernaum happen on a, a weekly basis or getting kids to camp as the ca- cost of camp rises and, you know, buses and all that stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's pricey to get kids to a camp, but we really think that that's a place where they get away and get to experience something that other teenagers experience and it changes their lives and, and honestly my life too. So. so church, when you give, sometimes you don't maybe hear specifically how your money is making an impact, but I want you to know it is. It's going to be, it's going to be expanding the reach of this ministry, helping with those resources. So praise the Lord for this ministry, and we look forward to in helping invest in this ministry and see it grow. But that's not the only area. Uh, Kent McKinley, there's some new things happening there too. Share a little bit with uh, what's happening with the relaunch down there. Yeah, McKinley's been a place where Young Life has been for a while. Um, but in the, since COVID and uh, years around there, we've, we've had sort of just a, a slow, uh, just a lull. Like it's been really hard to have volunteer leaders there and to reach teenagers there. And so uh, recently we have the privilege of hiring uh, Austin Biss and uh, putting a team around him and, and relaunching. And it's been amazing. I mean, over just, I'll let him talk about it here in a second, but really within a month's time, the team has met over 50 high school kids. So let's let, we're going to let Austin talk a little bit about it too. So I think we have a fun picture of Austin with some of the youth. Uh, Cindy, if you could go to that like third slide in, but uh, this is Austin Biss. Austin, there we go. (laughs) Austin may look familiar because he's pretty much growing up here at Canton First Friends. He's one of our own church and he is, go ahead. Thank you guys. Uh, yeah, I've been coming to First Friends all my life, um, and it's what I call home. I super love it, and I just like, thank you guys for letting us be here, because this is like, this is what we love. We love to talk to lost kids and share about Jesus. Um, 
But I grew up in a pretty broken household, so church was one place that I could call safe um, and one place that I could lean into. Um, and figuring out more about Jesus through Young Life um, really changed my entire life, and it's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. That's great. Uh, now, Austin, two years ago, we hosted a mission, uh, uh, our EFM missionary a group that was here. And Austin, after that service, actually came up to uh, Stan Leach and myself and, says, I w- and he said, I want to be a missionary. He was actually considering a cross-cultural call to uh, do international missions. Uh, and he's actually had a couple other opportunities with Young Life outside of uh, Stark County, a state somewhere up north that I won't mention. And so, but he did choose... He chose wisely, uh, but I do want to hear, Austin, it, you know, you had opportunities, but why Young Life? Yeah, um, man, I, I was given a lot of opportunities, and truth be told, like, I did not want to be in Ohio because of the household I came from. I just want to get as far away as I could um, and start over, um, but Canton was calling, and there's something happening here that I never... Th- thought was going to happen. And I, I felt God calling, saying, Austin, like, this is where you are, and this is where you belong. And he's been proving that. So it's very awesome. And yet, specifically, Canton McKinley, you saw the need there. Um, your heart felt um, burdened, and it called uniquely there. Help us understand why you feel like this, this time, this day, uh, is that God is opening this door for you at Canton McKinley Young Life. Yeah, um, I used to lead at Hoover High School with Dan back in the day, well, like a year ago. <laughs> um, so, so, like, that was super awesome, but one thing that we did a lot was we went and played volleyball with dudes, um, big volleyball guy, but we played in the, the city um, at Wise Park by Malone, and I met a lot of people. I met some of my best friends, one of them's Hayden, and he's now a leader. Um, so I just felt like, man, like, people want to be known and McKinley High School, and there's not a lot of opportunity for that. Um, so send me. That's awesome. So Austin has accepted the, the role as the associate uh, 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 staff member that oversees the ministry at Kent McKinley Young Life, and that is going on now. As you can see behind me, there's a few pictures celebrating that already, and, um, and there, there is a, there's a couple things, though, that I asked you before. How can we be praying for you, Austin, as you have started this ministry? What are some of the needs that we can, as a church, we can be praying for you? Yeah, um, it's been going a lot better than we anticipated, and kids are just showing up, and kids are being loved, And because of that, we're running out of a space, um, safe space for kids to be. So we're just uh, prayer um, for finding a a big space where we can have a lot of kids come that's safe, Um, as well as opportunity to get in the school more often for me and the rest of our team um, would be amazing. That's great. Uh, Well, we're going to pray for that specifically, but I want to do something uniquely here. and just to show you the impact and the legacy. So as we give, know that we are giving to an amazing ministry. Uh, we're going to be giving to Capernaum and then also some of the resources that are needed uh, for continuing to expand at Camp McKinley. But Young Life does an incredible job that helps the church, the local church as well. So some of the greatest leaders at First Friends are part of Young Life. In fact, if you are a Young Life board member or volunteer and you go to First Friends, could you stand up to be recognized. We have some of them right over here. So some of these are our leaders. Uh, If you are a volunteer at 
uh, Young Life and you attend uh, First Friends as well, go ahead and stand up. I see you sitting down over there. Go ahead and stand up. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, okay. Now, if you are here in support of Young Life, would you be willing to stand up? Thank you for what you do. So during this time, and I know that uh, uh, Dan is actually uh, not just here to be interviewed. He's going to bring uh, the word for us today, just here in a moment. We're going to pray specifically for him. But uh, Austin, growing up here, is one of our own. And even though he didn't say yes to cross-cultural mission, he said yes to mission right in front of him. Uh, each of us have that opportunity. It doesn't have to look like Austin's call, but he said yes, and he is answering that need, uh, that call that is before him. So actually, I have Todd Biss with us this morning. Todd, believe it or not, is uh, the board chair for Young Life, but also Austin's uncle. And so we asked him to come <laughs> to pray for, for Austin and commission him in this work with Young Life uh, uh, McKinley. And then we also want to pray for Dan for the message this morning. So let's do that now, Todd. Just before we pray, uh, just if you look at the three of us here genetically, who do you think I would normally be attached to? <laughs> Turn sideways. <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite know how this happened. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Jesus, I am filled with gratitude today, this morning. Um, I am grateful for a church who thinks beyond their four walls, and I'm grateful to be a part of this ministry, both here at First Friends and with Young Life, Lord. And um, I'm very appreciative that we can see that, the value that these guys bring, going to where students are, many of whom have no idea who you are, and many who have not heard your name before. So, Lord, I thank you for Austin. I thank you for his willingness to stick in Stark County. Lord, I know these things have been challenging decisions, but, Lord, we have clearly felt your leading and your guidance, and he has listened and obeyed, and his obedience to you, Lord, is is already paying off. So, God, I pray that you give him um, strength and courage and power and wisdom and may we, as a church body, continue to come alongside him and, um, and be there for him in prayer, in conversation, in finances. Lord, we are so grateful. And um, pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. And Father, we thank you for Dan and his ministry. And we ask you humbly this morning that you would anoint him specifically to communicate your truth and your challenge to us. And we pray that we would have minds, hearts, bodies that are open to hearing your truth, to being confronted and convicted by your spirit and transformed more and more closely into your likeness. And we pray, Father, also that you would, that you would expand Dan's territory of influence and ministry for the sake of the kingdom, your kingdom, and so that many more young souls would join your family, Father. We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. Amen. Looks like this podium was built for Pastor Nathaniel, not me and Todd. (laughs) 
Well, thank you. I, I, I didn't say this, but uh, it was kind of said in there too, but um, it, is, it is amazing, this church, uh, the legacy. I mean, I, I've been here three years and I'm learning the legacy of Young Life in this area more and more and the people that I meet that have been impacted. And so many of people come from this church. Um, a lot of our support and, and you know, financially every month comes from this church already um, and from uh, m- multiple people who serve at this church and are, are a big part of this church. So um, I'm also really grateful that Pastor Nathaniel let me come here and speak after the last time we met um, and hung out was at a Young Life event and he had a pie thrown in his face at a Young Life event. So uh, we, we hopefully won't do that today, but um, <laughs> it's coming up again. I hope to see you at the trivia night and you can do that. Uh, we, maybe it won't be a pie this time, something better. Um, uh, like I said, my name is Dan, and, and uh, I, I have been a part of Young Life for the last 23 years. Uh, I started going to Young Life when I was in high school, met my wife there, became a volunteer Young Life le- leader, and volunteered for over 13 years um, before I went on Young Life staff full-time. Um, and it is, uh, I've been doing it for a long time because it is so much fun. Uh, I love uh, high school kids. I think that they are so full of life. I think when you hang out with high school kids, you realize that how much adventure and life they want to experience. Um, and I thought about how I was going to start this, and originally I was going to show some pictures of myself and talk about growing up a little bit, but uh, I was at BW3s uh, over at Belden on Thursday night. Uh, I'm a freshman football coach at Hoover High School, and uh, I, started, I invited 15 of my freshman football players uh, to come. Well, all of them, but 15 of them showed up. I'm walking in, and yeah, here's some of the pictures. So there's, there's one picture uh, of us at the table. I, I walk, I'm walking up to BW3s with a, one, of the, one of the guys that I picked up. And as I'm walking up, the door bursts open, and one of the guys comes out fully dressed in what looked like uh, the New, New Orleans Saints gear. Uh, I thought he was wearing foot pajamas because he was from head to toe, which was absolutely ridiculous <laughs> that he might be wearing foot pajamas to uh, BW3s, but it was, just his, it was just his pajamas and a jersey and his slippers that were New Orleans Saints slippers, uh, and, and, and he had a helmet also, a football helmet. I think he's, yeah, he's right there, uh, and he had beads on, and he is screaming and cheering for me, and I, uh, it was that moment that I thought, I love what I do. I am here on a Thursday night with 15 high school boys that are absolutely out of control. <laughs> uh, we sat down in there. At first, there was nobody in there but us. There was maybe a few other people. And then the place started to fill, and I started to get more and more nervous. Uh, the, uh, somebody, so a couple guys who were older, probably college age, walk in with Jacksonville Jaguar jerseys on, and that's who they're playing. Uh, and Michael, who's in the New Orleans Saints gear, walks straight up to them and just starts talking trash to them right away. And I'm like, this, this kid's going get to us, get us kicked out or beat up or something. Um, and then he proceeds to talk to everybody else and, and cheering loudly. I mean, if you went there for a peaceful dinner, that was not the place to go. Uh, and they were, they were cheering. They, we, it was a buy one, get one free wing night. So, you know, everybody's ordering 10 wings because you get 20. Uh, you get half of that for free. Uh, most of them ordered, uh, you know, normal flavors. A couple of them decided they were going to try hot wings. Um, one kid in particular, Ryan, decided he was going to order all of his wings hot. And I asked him, have you ever eaten hot wings? Do you like hot wings? And he said, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> And I thought, that is the most bold decision for somebody, like, you're going to get 20. Why didn't you split that, you know, at least three ways and maybe try five of them hot? Um, 
The best part of that is he only ate three, and then, excuse my language, but he said, my mouth is in hell right now. (laughs) And he was profusely sweating, and he was taking his sweatshirt off. He only ate three wings the whole night, Um, and then he was done. Uh, But it just shows, uh, I literally sat back, and I had no control of what was going to happen that night, what was was being said, what was being done. I sat there kind of thinking, like, I don't. I don't know if they're going to come up to me and tell us we have to leave or calm down or what. But when you're a young life leader and you have that kind of energy with high school kids, you kind of accept the fact that it's going to be crazy and that you're not sure what's going to happen. Um, another, another quick story, a few years back, we went to an overnight in Toledo. We took a bunch of high school kids. Um, and when we get there, they tell us where we're staying. The girls obviously had a you know, decent cabin. I wouldn't say nice. It was like an old Boy Scout camp. Um, decent cabins. Um, with heat and showers and all that stuff. The boys had a cabin where we had to uh, use a coal-burning stove. I don't know if anybody in this room knows how to use a coal-burning stove or has ever seen one, but that was the first time for me. Uh, and so we get in there, we, we build the fire, we put it in there, we feed it all day long. It is actually so hot in there as we're hanging out that we have to like open windows and doors just to get a little, it was so hot in there. And I thought, this is going to be great. We're going to sleep nice and warm. Um, but we also, we, nobody could sleep in their sleeping bags because it was that hot. Uh, and this was February, by the way. Um, this was mid-February, so it was very cold outside. Um, but midway through the night, of course, everybody's sleeping. We wake up in the morning. Nobody has fed the coal into the stove. It was frigid in there. It was so cold. Uh, but we had a really good time. The overnight was awesome. Then the next year, we come back to the same place. Uh, and I'm thinking, great, we talked about this as a staff. They're going to change where we stay. And uh, sure enough, they announced, like, boys, you're going to be over in these cabins this time. It's got heat, showers, all the guys cheer. Uh, and then she says, but if there's some overflow, I've got the key to the cabin from last year. Immediately, all of my guys turn around and look at me, and they said, get the key. And I was, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I thought we were going to be warm, but we had to run it back again. And the exact same thing, we were sweating and then we were freezing cold. Um, but high school kids, uh, they, they know how to have fun. They know how to have fun. They, they want to have fun. They want to have adventure. They want to find full life. But I, I think that teenagers are looking for life in the wrong places a lot of times. Um, In Young Life, we talk about how teenagers want to know, they want to know who they are, they want to know where they belong, and they want to know why they're here. In a book uh, that I love to read uh, with our leaders called Alongside, it says that teenagers are hijacked. We live in a world that is hijacking the innocence of teenagers. Their hearts are constantly being abandoned, distracted, and rejected. They are hungry for approval, affirmation, and affection. Uh, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Some, some versions say life abundantly. Uh, I believe that, that teenagers are searching for life, but they're lost, and they're looking for it in the wrong places. When I looked up uh, at what, I was gonna, what I'm going to teach today in the commentaries, it talked about the word lost being not necessarily uh, that they're hiding but that they're in the wrong direction, as if, if, as if we had the wrong directions and we've turned the, turned the wrong corner. I think that they're looking for that. And if, whether you know a teenager or you have a teenager or you are a teenager or we all were at some point, uh, I actually believe that it's not just teenagers that are experiencing this. I think that we live in a world 
that, where we are lost, where people have turned the wrong direction and they're trying to find life in the wrong places. Um, and it reminds me of a story uh, in Scripture, uh, an encounter with Jesus, that uh, a man named Zacchaeus. So if you have a Bible and you're, you're reading with me, I also was told there's a timer, so I don't, I don't see a clock anywhere that tells me how long I'm going. So just give me a thumbs up when I have five minutes. <laughs> um, or maybe this will go short. Who knows? Uh, so Luke chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. We all know that Jericho is an ancient city. The, you know, they marched around. The walls came down when they were blowing trumpets and all that good stuff. Uh, it's a very important city, a very beautiful city that was uh, a, 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 pass, a passage on the way to Jerusalem. And if you know much, that this is a passage that is, Jesus is on his way to the cross. This is the journey to the cross here. But he makes a stop in Jericho and he says, A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, like myself, he could not because, the crowd, because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Um, I, I, I share this story so much when I talk to high school kids, too, because I love Zacchaeus. Here's a guy um, that is short, like myself. I can relate. I've been in many crowds. If you're somebody like me and you've been in crowds, it is difficult to find uh, a way to see ahead. But Jesus, when Jesus comes to town, there's always crowds. There's so many people pressing around Jesus. The story of the bleeding woman, you know, people are pressing around Jesus so tightly. And then this woman touches Jesus. And what happens? He stops and he looks at her and he listens to her story. Out of this whole crowd of people, there's Jesus stopping for her. In this crowd of people, Zacchaeus, uh, he was known to be a chief tax collector. And if you know anything about tax collectors or you've heard about tax collectors, uh, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. He was the head of the IRS. Um, he was the head of, of it all, that he um, was in the role of a traitor or a thief. In a lot of ways, uh, Zacchaeus was either being used or using. He was used by the Roman government to gain money and to take taxes and take wealth from the local uh, people that lived in that town, but he was also using his own people. He would, they would raise the, the amount of taxes they were collecting and skim a little bit off the top for themselves. That led to him being a despised person. We could imagine that people did not like him, they hated him. We could imagine that as they came by his tax collector booth every day, they probably just threw their money down and walked away, didn't even look him in the eyes. I could imagine that it would have been a lonely existence to be, to be Zacchaeus. Um, that he probably didn't have very many friends that weren't like him. And they associated with each other probably only because of their, their job, because it was the only people that would, that would pay any attention because they felt the same way. And what I love about this story, too, is that this, this person who was despised, who was an outcast in society, was the same person that was, that was running to find a way to see Jesus. He was curious and searching, much like I talked about teenagers and ourselves. It says he climbed a, a sycamore fig tree. This tree, from what I understand, they, had, they were very full, thick trees, um, but also, I think, somewhat easy to climb, um, which would have been great for, I don't know, I don't climb trees. Um, I feel like somebody like myself, they don't, we don't go into trees. The only way, down, only way to it is down, uh, and I don't want to fall. So uh, this would have been a huge risk for Zacchaeus. I, mean, I can imagine if he falls down out of this tree, and he is all, all of a sudden the spectacle of the town, 
That would have been very uncomfortable for him. One commentary that I I read says uh, that he heard of this Jesus who welcomed tax collectors and sinners, and he wondered if he would have any word for him. Despised and hated by all, Zacchaeus was reaching out after the love of God. It's hard not to think of our world being lost, teenagers being lost, and in the wrong direction when we hear about Zacchaeus. Whether it's feeling lonely, uh, maybe feeling rejected, uh, it's hard not to think about that. But as we read this story, uh, we see the good news of Jesus as well. So as we continue on, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Probably a lot of you who have grown up in church maybe know the, you know the stories of Zacchaeus and hear the songs. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. <laughs> Obviously, it's, it's cool to look at Zacchaeus and, we can, and a lot of people can relate and, and relate to him. But when I look at this and I see a picture of Jesus, here's the things that I love about Jesus. Number one is that it said that he came and he reached the spot. I don't know what your version says, but mine says literally the spot. It wasn't an accident that when Jesus was coming into this town on this route through Jericho with this crowd around, that he, it seems as though he was searching for Zacchaeus. We think Zacchaeus was the one searching, but Jesus was the actual one that was intentionally looking for Zacchaeus. And we know this because he stops and he looks up in this tree that would have had a, a lots of you know, foliage and thick branches. And he says, Zacchaeus, he knows him by name. To be known by name is to be known. Zacchaeus would have probably felt like a nobody in this town. But to, him, to Jesus, he was somebody. He wasn't just nobody, he was somebody. And not only that, he meets Zacchaeus where he is. He didn't, he didn't go to the, to the town, uh, to the temple or anything local there. He, he goes where Zacchaeus is, in that tree. And not just where Zacchaeus is, but as Zacchaeus is. It didn't matter that Zacchaeus was an outcast or that he was despised or that he was the town thief or anything like that. He comes to him as he is. And then he does something even better. He invites himself into Zacchaeus' life. He doesn't just say, hey, Zacchaeus, come down and, and come to... He did tell people, come follow me. And I think it's interesting here, he doesn't say, Zacchaeus, come down and follow me. He doesn't say, Zacchaeus, come, I'm going to go down and have some dinner, you should join me. He says, Zacchaeus, I have to come down. Come down, I have to go to your house. Jesus didn't merely want to preach to Zacchaeus and convert him in a spiritual or religious sense. Jesus wanted to have a real relationship with him, beginning with a meal and time spent together. <clears throat> This is the good news of Jesus. In John 1.14, it says that the word became flesh, flesh and dwelt among us. And the message version, it says that he moved into the neighborhood. And another commentary I read, it said that Jesus came close and that we no longer have to go searching for him. On the last line, Jesus says, I have come to seek and save what is lost. Jesus has come to seek and save those who have turned and are finding life in the wrong direction. In Young Life, our mission is to enter the lives of teenagers, to go where they are, to know them by name, 
build a friendship with them and share our lives and introduce Jesus to them. To do the very things that Jesus did, to go to the spots that high school kids are, to, to enter into their lives, not to invite them to ours, but to, in, to invite them, to invite ourselves into their life, to build a friendship so that we have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. Uh, a verse that we use a lot in Young Life, it says in verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, it says that we were delighted not only to share with you the gospel, but our lives as well. In Young Life, we believe that when we build a relationship with somebody and we know Jesus, we have Jesus to offer them. That, that they will know Jesus by being in a relationship with us and we will earn the right and the opportunity to actually tell them about the gospel and about Jesus. <clears throat> a few of my favorite quotes um, say this. It says, sharing the gospel is far more than sharing information. It's opening up our very lives, giving away our very souls. It's unveiling our longings, our fears, our joys. It's inviting others into our mess and being willing to step into theirs. Making disciples is an act that calls for embodied presence. It requires sharing our lives and demands that we plunge into the deep end, even if we're not convinced we know how to swim. As I start to wrap up, here's my challenge. If you see, if you heard this, it said all the people saw this and began to mutter. People were, were confused. They were complaining. They were not comfortable with this situation because Zacchaeus is not the type of person that you find in church. He's not the type of person that you would typically think should be sitting there, especially in this, that time. But here's my challenge. To look around right now in this church and in any church that we go to, I would challenge the same thing. Are these the type of people that are filling up our seats of our church? Is Zacchaeus sitting here in church? You've been invited to this because you were lost and now are found. If you're, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, He's, he's come for you. You don't have to search. If you do know Jesus, he's found you. And you have a call to go and make disciples as well. You have a call to follow him and become fishers of men and women, to find out where lost people are and to meet them where they're at and to share Jesus with them. As I finish, our, our tagline for Young Life on everything, I was looking to see if it was on my sleeve. Uh, it's not on my sleeve, but in everything that we have, it, it's, our tagline is you were, you were made for this. And I was thinking last night, and I thought, I'm going to make my own little tagline. And my tagline is this, you were called to this. It doesn't matter who you are or, uh, you know, what your story is or what your gifting is. You were called to this too. Called to go where people are, to enter their lives, to know them and share the good news of Jesus. And that might, I don't know what that looks like for you. It might be the local coffee shop. It might be the grocery store. It might be your neighbors. It might be the teacher of your, uh, at your kid's school. But we're called to go where lost people are. Um, and in Young Life, we, we have lots of needs. We have lots of needs for people that are willing to go where teenagers are, to join us in this mission. Um, and, and again, the call extension to you all is, is for you to think about where are you called to go? Who are you called to go to? And where are the lost? And I would just challenge you today as you're sitting here and maybe you're taking notes, maybe you have your phone or something to pull it out and maybe start to answer those questions. Just pick one place where you're called to go. Maybe one person you're, that's on your heart that you're called to go to. And maybe just a place where, where people are lost that you know people are going in the wrong direction. It's not hard to find. Um, and so as we close and, and get ready to worship again to finish, I just want to pray for you all. Um,
And thank you for letting me share this. Jesus, thank you so much uh, that we were lost and now are found. Thank you that you, um, that you came to Zacchaeus, that you, you know him, that you, and you do the same for us, Jesus, that you have come close and are not far off, that we don't have to go searching for you, Jesus. I pray that as we uh, finish up today, Lord, that you would put on our hearts and our minds people and places where we can go and invest in the lives of people. I pray that this church would continue to fill up with people who are lost, people who don't know you, people who look more like Zacchaeus than they look like us. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for loving us and finding us when we were lost. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. One way you can connect further with First Friends Church is through our website, firstfriends.org. There you can learn about our equip groups as well as our upcoming events for all ages. On Sundays, we gather at 9 and 10.30 a.m. and we'd love to see you there. Have a great week.